There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. On this episode of How Do You Hustle, we have Rachel Sara. Rachel is an artist and proud mixed-raced First Nations woman from Garangarang country. Her colourful art has gained popularity around the world, challenging societal perceptions and Aboriginal art and identity. I really found this chat with Rachel so valuable and really insightful. I'd like to start the episode by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I'm recording, the Yugambeh people, and paying respects to elders past, present and emerging. Today on How Do You Hustle, we're joined by First Nations artist, Rachel Sara. How are you today, Rachel? I'm good. I'm excited to be chatting with you. I'm so excited to have you as well. I have had you on my list. I have a list of potential (laughs) guests and I've been pulling it in for quite a while. So I'm very happy to have you here. Tell us the story about how you started creating art and yeah, how did it kind of come about for you? Yeah, well, I'm very grateful that I made your list. I'm grateful that you followed up because I was a bit slack last year, but that was 2022, Rachel. Now it's a fresh 2023, Rachel. Um, But creating art, I guess for me as a First Nations woman, you know, Being creative and storytelling has always been part of our culture. We are one of the longest continuing cultures in the world and we're also um, one of the longest standing, I guess, public art, if you think about it. So a lot of our rock drawings have been around for thousands of years. So I think in some ways it's always been part of my DNA to be creative, but in others it was definitely just that, I guess... When you're younger, you just want to follow where you're happy. And when you have to turn something into a career, you kind of get caught into those two worlds of like wanting to be happy, but then also wanting to be able to pay your bills. So I guess for me, um, it's lucky that both of those two things have happened, but it really stemmed from just following that energy and following where I felt most alive and most happy and and most energized and and I think art became my purpose and my purpose was what fueled me so yeah although I'd like to think it is part of my DNA I think it is yeah just having a good honest look at how you're feeling internally and following that lead a little bit I love that I love that idea and like just from watching what you've achieved um, for quite a long time, I followed you. And yeah, it seems from an outsider's perspective, like it definitely is your calling. Like you're incredibly talented and 
you know, you've been really successful in what you do as well. Um, so your art features a lot of bright colours and designs that embody your experience as a proud mixed race um, First Nations woman from Grand Grand Country. How do you use your art to share stories and challenge some of those societal perceptions as well? Yeah, well, I think that's a good question. For me, it is about still following that feeling. So I've always been drawn to those bright colours and um, through university, like studying graphic design and visual communication design, we did some colour psychology classes. So learning how certain colours make you feel and how certain colour combinations can ignite certain emotions within you. So I was really interested in that aspect of colour and colour theory and then applying that to my work, you know, it manifests in those bright and engaging pieces, even though we are often discussing quite traumatic histories and and not necessarily in an obvious way, but I guess for me, those histories and who I am as a First Nations person has manifested in different experiences and how I grapple with that is through my art. So I guess to touch on how that challenges the perception of First Nations and Aboriginal art is, you know, historically the only perception of Aboriginal art was dot art and it was a very traditional sense of what Aboriginal art is and and even people like Richard Bell challenged that, like what even is Aboriginal art if it's um, kind of just for a white audience as well. So, yeah, so although I do play into commodifying my art in a way, it is playing into that. But it's also, I guess, inviting an audience in to understand that our experiences as First Nations people are so diverse and um and my work is almost taking those themes and digesting that into an optimistic kind of um, outcome. And I guess the reason how I started that or why I started that was thinking about little Rachel and how I was grappling with my identity and kind of grappling with who I was as a mixed race person and how often they contradict each other. Um, and so I started creating work and messages and themes that I would have thought she wanted to hear and what I found happened was there were a lot of other First Nations artists who couldn't see themselves reflected in that traditional art because we are modern beings but could see themselves in the themes that we were grappling whilst walking in two worlds and you know as First Nations people we talk about that walking in two worlds it's you know, walking in a cultural lens and and navigating our cultural identity, but then also walking in a Western world where a lot of the systems are in place to oppress us and kind of make us feel less than. So then to be able to reclaim those spaces and and take our culture and and bring that together in a way that I guess makes us feel great and can and make us I guess some money to pay our rent and and all of those things to separate us from those systems so that's a very detailed uh answer sorry to your question but yeah I think ultimately challenging the perception of what Aboriginal art is is just by challenging my own view of who I was and who I am and who I want to be yeah and I think you know, I'm sure you're aware as well, like there'd be so many people that do connect with that. And and I'm sure you get people reaching out to you as well, which is amazing. 
So were you doing other work on the side of your business initially when you started creating your art as well? Yeah, so when I went through university, so I studied, like I mentioned, a Bachelor of Design, Visual Communication Design, um, I was actually working in childcare mm-hmm. and I saw a psychic and she was like, you are absolutely not meant to be in childcare. And I was like, thank goodness, because <laughs> this is not where I'm feeling great. Um, and then it was wild. I the, Such a past life for me, another human being in that space. But yeah, and then kind of once I finished my degree, I always knew I wanted to start my own business. But um being a, I guess, a freshie out of university, you think the world's your oyster and you can do whatever. And increasingly young people are proving that that's true. But at the time, I was not one of those people. So <laughs> I was very sure that I was going to start a business, but every um, time I would try, I'd find barriers. And what I learned was that I needed a bit more experience in the industry to understand how things were being done. Um, and so I worked for a few different agencies and a few different like printing places. Um, and I did get experience of how things was done, were done. But then what I learned in that process as well was all the things that I disagreed with in those processes and all these things that I felt like weren't actually helping me as a young First Nations artist or woman. And so the business kind of birthed from having that parallel work environment to kind of challenge those spaces and when I when I sort of found that what I was raising wasn't being heard that was kind of the push that I needed to then start the business so yeah it was a very I guess comforting knowing I had a paycheck to paycheck coming in but yeah without that experience I don't think I would have started my business now. Wow that's cool I definitely resonate with just thinking that like I remember when I was at uni as well I started a blog and I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna make a publication I completely relate to that but you do kind of have to go through those kind of jobs to get to the other side and realize that you can do it when did you have that moment in your career where you did realize that maybe you can do this as more more than just something on the side um of what you were already doing? Yeah, well, I think when I was working in the agencies that I was working in, I always had that mentality that I was going to start my own business. And I think annoyingly for my project managers, you know, when you're in an agency, you have certain roles. You have your project managers, you have your business development, you have your creators, your admins. I wanted to be in every one of those pockets. I wanted to know everything that was going on. And I was just an absolute sponge. And, you know, my project managers would often get really annoyed at me because I'd be asking questions that creatives probably shouldn't be asking um, just to know the whole process of a project rather than just my role. So I always had that interest. And then it's good to be like that. Yeah, exactly. So. I definitely think that that was a good indication that I was always going to do what I wanted to do. More the fact that, you know, you can only get so far within an agency. Your salary can only get as high and the opportunities that you get within a business can only go so far. And and it kind of got to the point where 
I just kept hitting the ceiling. And every time I try to uh, grow or expand my skill set or even help the businesses that I was kind of working within, I'd just keep hitting that ceiling and I'd keep getting like cut off. And it kind of was infuriating as a First Nations woman because, you know, in spaces like that, you should feel empowered to be yourself and to really use your voice. And I just wasn't feeling that. And so it kind of got to the point where I was just as an outlet to grapple with the themes that I was doing. I was creating work and I was sharing it on Instagram and and my Instagram started growing and it kind of got to the point in the agency where I didn't have an intention to leave, but then I was just going to go down a few hours and put a bit more effort into my side hustle. And then that apparently wasn't acceptable at the time. Um, and I just decided to take the plunge. I, wow. in the kind of the notice that I was given um, or the notice I gave, sorry, I was getting down all my debt. I was making sure I paid off my credit cards, knowing that I was going to kind of be on my own. And I think understanding your financial position and trusting that you're able to make that plunge is really good. But yeah, it, honestly, sometimes I feel like it was such a sporadic decision. But then looking back, there was definitely things that happened that it was always going to happen, I think. Like it was no denying that it was going to happen. So I think ultimately I just got so angry and so fed up and so upset that there was that it comes back to, again, I guess, to that feeling of feeling happy and I wasn't feeling happy. Hmm. But in my own space, doing my own work, I really was. So it was that decision to just follow that energy. And obviously... Paid off. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And I'm a huge believer in that. Like when you feel those pulls and in on this podcast, the people I've interviewed, they've all said similar things. So they got this weird feeling that they needed to just quit their job and go out and do it. And then it's always worked out. So makes you think if people weren't actually afraid, what would we all be able to achieve? Yeah. I definitely think fear is like a huge factor in what holds people back because For me personally, like fear of the unknown is one thing. And it's like a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on fear of failure. But for me, it was also what I was grappling with was like fear of success. If I could make this work, then like what's next? Like how am I going to support my practices? Where is the work going to go? Who's going to manage that? Because I had all that support in an agency, but then stepping away, it was just going to be me. So yeah, I feel like we underestimate the fear of success as well. Yeah, and sometimes there's fear around what people will think, what people will say, and that, you know, that's something I think we all have to kind of, you know, as we get older, learn to ignore because it really doesn't matter. Like, yeah, today you only get one opportunity. Like, you may as well do the thing that you're wanting to do. Yeah. Um, giving myself that advice, though, sometimes. <laughs> I know. you got to be a self-starter, self-motivated. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So walk us through uh, what it's like when you are creating and maybe what a day looks like for you or what a uh, project that you're working on looks like. I was very shocked to know that it's not as glamorous as it might seem when you see those Instagrammable day in the lives or um, follow me for a day, get ready with me for a day. But I am a pretty low key person. So, and I'm also not a morning person. So for Mm. me, I kind of set alarms when I need to be somewhere, but if not, I kind of just let my body wake up and now that I've got a dog he's like a child so basically I just have to make sure he's ready and then check emails but I guess it's so varied and especially because I am the artist but also the business owner so there's lots of admin that you get wrapped up in but without that admin I feel like I wouldn't be in control of the creative aspects so project to project varies and day-to-day varies but yeah, I very much underestimated the diversity of tasks that you would have starting your own business. And especially for a lot of entrepreneurs or like startup companies or even people trying to turn their hustle into a full-time job, it's like you're pretty tight with cash most of the time. So a lot of the jobs you do yourself. And I remember going into my account with a bag full of receipts and he's like, we got to get you onto zero. These like spreadsheets are not working. Um But yeah, I think it's just really diverse and yeah, like project to project is different. But yeah, my biggest advice is like you really underestimate how diverse those tasks are. It could be emails, admin, phone calls, follow-ups. Like, Mm. yeah, it depends on what stage of the project I'm in as well. Yeah, that's so true because, you know, art is sort of looked at as this mystical thing, being an artist, but the end of the day, you're a business owner. Like you're running a yeah. website, you're running sales, you're running, like you said. Yeah. So, yeah. That's it is fun though. Like I don't want yeah. to deter people, but yeah, I would say that most day to day, it's like, or if you look at it in the grand scheme of things, it's like 20% being creative and then 
40% being like strategic and then (laughs) 30% like just admin Admin. and trying to make sure you can get paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, eventually you can get someone to help with that. But yeah, in the beginning, there's no escaping that. Oh, yeah. You do have like quite a big following on social media and you're very active with your um, social media channels and sharing your art on there. How important do you think it is these days um, to sort of have that digital presence and build your business in that way? Yeah, I think it's really important to have something or someone batting for you. Um, I know some artists who are very much not on social media but have, you know, are represented by like good agents or um, galleries and they kind of have that word of mouth aspect. But for me, when I was starting out before I kind of got management, I got a lot of my work from just being present online and a lot of people would really, I guess, resonate with what I was saying, like I mentioned earlier, and it just built these connections. And I'm sure, you know, without social media, we wouldn't be having this chat today. But it is, it's a funny beast, social media. It's very important in my business personally, but it's also such a detrimental thing to my mental health and productivity in some ways as well. So it is that balance, I guess, of using social media for the strengths, but then not subscribing to it in a way that completely derails other aspects of your life. And I think that's something that I'm really trying to work on this year is how do I maintain a presence and use my voice on social media, but in a way that doesn't just become, I guess, toxic to my art practice in my business trying to keep up with trends and trying to be someone that I'm not um a good example is TikTok I haven't quite cracked TikTok yet but I've seen and noticed recently with the I guess the growth of TikTok and not being on that platform you are left behind in certain ways and certain I guess trends but I just have to trust that you know what I put online and on Instagram is connecting with the audience that it needs to connect with. And um, I'm not a huge, you know, I guess I'm not a huge, I'm not going to say not a fan of TikTok, but I'm going to say a user of TikTok because I feel like it has the opportunity to elevate things that are almost superficial in its sense and kind of such a departure from my core purpose and my core value, whereas Instagram, of course, yes, is still very superficial. And maybe it's just my lack of knowledge and understanding of the TikTok platform, but how I consume it is very disconnected from the conversations that, you know, I want to be having. Whereas Instagram is still very much a space where we are having really robust conversations about social justice, about the intersectionality of like certain issues and, and identities and yeah, I think it's super important to be present in those conversations because without social media and, you know, Instagram in particular, I would still be very ignorant to a lot of things that aren't necessarily part of my lived experience and wow. and finding that online is is a way to grow personally but also to make sure that your business is still very relevant and and making sure that it's still on the right side of history, I guess which is funny to say for a social media platform. 
No, that's very interesting though. I mean, I've never really thought about that, but there's so many things I wouldn't be aware of and wouldn't, you know, have formed such a strong opinion of if it wasn't for social media. Yeah. We give it a bad rap, but it definitely does, yeah, like you said, bring up some of those really important conversations. I yeah. do understand what you're saying about TikTok and, look, I, th- I think there's a lot of people battling with that at the moment. You kind of go on there and you have no control over what you're going to see or what. Yeah. And, I th- I mean, eventually your algorithm seems to understand. But, yeah, I- I'm hearing that a lot. Um, I do love it as well for some things. Yeah, I definitely went down a rabbit hole of watching Post Malone dance on TikTok at, like, 11.30 at night. And I was like, this is not good for me. <laughs> that's the thing it's like two hours can pass and you've been sitting on your phone watching like the randomest videos mine is like funny funny videos like I follow every person that does funny impersonations known to man they're really serotonin (laughs) yeah they're really making like a wave in social media these days yeah I think Yeah, we're all on there for different things. I mean, I'm definitely on Instagram, like you said, for that social justice, like educating myself. I mean, I obviously educate myself in other ways, but I follow voices that I want, like yourself, that I want to learn from and absorb, like, you know, the messages they're saying. And um, I also like to follow people that make me feel good and make me laugh which you do as well you actually do as well but (laughs) But, yeah it's that balance isn't it and yeah I was going to ask you like in terms of that kind of you know that some of those conversations that can be quite negative like what do you think is the downside I guess you've sort of touched on it but yeah like you know obviously certain events that we have in our calendar like bring up some of those conversations that are maybe not good. Um, So what do you think is sort of the downside around some of those things? I think the downside is just consuming them in an unsafe environment and without necessarily the support that you need to be able to critically think about the issues that we're seeing online. Um, Also making sure that we're fact-checking the sources that, you know, we are subscribing to. But I think it's just the amount of access and comparison as business owners that you have, I guess, free reign overseeing. I think being able to set boundaries and and being conscious of who you're consuming to make sure that what you're doing is like this growth mindset rather than falling into like a fixed mindset or like just that dark hole of comparing yourself to the next person because it is quite saturated when you hear about businesses and and side hustles and mm. and even being an artist out there so that comparison factor it can be quite negative but also I think just the fact that it can be so time consuming and the algorithm changes all the time it's like I don't know there are you've I guess subjected to some really nasty comments as well well at least I am I'm sure most people are in different ways but yeah there are those negative aspects but I kind of just got to remind myself that with those negative aspects comes opportunities to be able to shine a light on how you know racist Australia can actually be and how you know a lot of people try to plead ignorant and Australia Day is a 
good example of what we see online with people thinking that there's nothing wrong with the way that life is working at the moment. But yeah, social media definitely shines a light on those injustices. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, sometimes it really highlights the worst parts of society. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But as well as the good. So yeah, it's one of those things. And I think we're all, I saw something the other day about how we're all responsible for our relationship with social media. And it's so true. Like we are at the end of the day in control, whether we feel like it or not, we are in control of how often we're on there, who we're tuning into, who we're muting, you know, and we have that power. Yeah. That's such a good point. Like be conscious of who you're following. And if these people aren't aligning to your messages, then don't give them your conscious time, I guess, or subconscious also, time sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but also I understand from your perspective as a business owner, like you sometimes don't have that control when you have all those followers. Do you have any new exhibitions or pieces coming out online or in person that our listeners are able to go and check out? Well, I'm not working on any exhibitions at this current time, but I do have a few pieces from my previous exhibition, as well as all of my other stock on my website, which is rachelsara.com. And I'm in Aboriginal Art Co and Open House in Brisbane. So one's on Vulture Street and one is on Gray Street in South Brisbane and West End. But also I just recently launched a new project and I'm uh, a radio host on Triple A Murray Let's Talk the Arts, which is really cool. So Amazing. each Monday, yeah, each Monday from 9 a.m. I kind of chat with different First Nations creatives and artists and performers and kind of have a similar chat to what we have spoken about. So I guess, yeah, I definitely point people in that direction to kind of have a listen to the diverse voices that, you know, we are as First Nations people. And I'm always excited about projects, but they all kind of have had this similar kind of role, whereas this is a really different role for me. So I'm really excited to explore that a bit as well. That's amazing. I will definitely go and check that out for sure um, and would encourage everyone that's listening to as well. If people want to find you other than your website, where should they go on social media to check you out as well? Well, I am on TikTok. I don't post, but mostly Instagram and both Instagram and TikTokers. Sarah, um, which is S-A-R dot R-A underscore underscore. Um, but yeah, follow me there and I kind of yarn and share art and different things on there. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Rachel. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and yeah, I'm really glad I finally got to get you on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Amazing. I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Rachel. I certainly did. Obviously, last week with the public holiday, there was a lot of conversation online about Australians needing to pay the rent and support First Nations businesses and creators. We should all be supporting First Nations organisations. I know um, organisations like Clothing the Gaps or Bridging the Gap 
are really important um, in supporting First Nations communities. And you can also show your support by purchasing from First Nations creators and businesses all year round. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like this episode, you can give us a star rating on Spotify. Don't forget to also give us a follow on there or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also give us a follow at Howdy Hustle on TikTok or Instagram. And until then, we will see you next time. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.